0: New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope this message equips you and it empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. You know, I can't wait to look back. And by the way, I met Mosler, in case anybody doesn't know. I, I pastor the church down there in Pine Bluff. And God is, I can't wait to look back in about 15, 20 years and see all these little puzzle pieces that God is putting together. You know, and, and so many things have, are, are lining up just perfectly uh, for this particular moment in time. God's doing something down in the Delta and drawing people like Ryan and Jasmine and their family down there. It's just the perfect time. Our schools, now we have, we're going to have one middle school, one high school, uh, and they're going to be able to be in that school. We're building a community center that will be open this summer. It'll be a place for teaching and training, great big youth space. You know, so I'm really large on vision. I got lots of vision. I got vision for days. Execution is not my my strong suit, okay? I I got the vision, but how do you put meat on the bone? Well, that's where God comes in, man. And all of a sudden, you know, at one of our all staffs, Ryan Jasmine come up to us and I'm like, thank you. So it's just perfect. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Um I cannot wait i'm so excited to be here. I love this church i- ca- I kind of consider of all of our churches that we have in new life. this is our sister church you we're, we're we are we have much more in common with, the, with this downtown campus than any other church we have. I love being here, but I, I tell you I hate being away from my church. I hate being away from. I just love my church, love my people um, but it's so good to be here and um and I know we're dedicating some babies a little bit later on this morning. So, And I saw a, little, a bunch of babies coming in here. It's a great time, you young parents. It's wonderful. But I will tell you, I know you're not sleeping, uh, but it's still a great time. And, and I will encourage you with this little tidbit here. Don't kill your children because better ones are coming. I'm now a grandparent, all right? Let me, let me show you a picture. Of my, can I show you a picture of my grandkids? Right away. So here's one of them right here. Do we have these pictures? Do we get them up? Oh, yeah, there's there's look, she's already doing the little girl pose. You know, and then and then here's Max. That's right. Guns and Roses, baby. That's right. There's my babies right there. All right, so Pastor Bronson tells me that you guys are working through Colossians, which is wonderful. I love that book. It's a great book. And um he told me that our scripture focus for today is in Colossians chapter 1. So open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, 11 through 14. That's our scripture focus. That's what Bronson told me to focus on this morning is Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. But since I have a problem with authority, <laughs> we're going we're to get there. All right, but, uh, but Colossians chapter 1, 11 through 14. So before we get there, I want to ask you a few questions so I can kind of take a, a temperature of the room. How many of you guys have ever felt unfulfilled in your Christian life? Raise your hand. Let me see. All right. How many of you have ever been frustrated with your walk in Christ and wondered why it seems so tedious? Anybody have, I mean, has anybody ever wondered, surely, this can't be the life that God created me to live? Anybody else ever asked that question? Okay, good, because I, I didn't want to be the only one. All right. And, and 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 this passage of scripture, I think, is really going to help us out uh, before we get out of here today. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this church, what you're doing for this community. God, I know that you love this community and you love this church. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us right now. Uh, Open up our hearts, our ears, our minds. Help us to lower uh, some of those walls that we have right now so that we can receive this word and help it to grow and prosper and bear much fruit in Jesus' name and in all God's people. Say it. Amen Amen and amen. All right, so we're in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to get to verse 11, but we're going to start with verse 9. All right, and this is what it says. Paul says to this church at Colossae, he says, For this reason... Also, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you. All right? Now, let, let me tell you how I read the Bible because I'm not, I'm not very smart. I was, I was trained as a reporter, okay? So what I do as a reporter, and for those of you who don't know, I was on television for about 30 years. So I'm very famous, number one. <laughs> but number two, as a reporter, I'm very cynical, Okay, Just because you tell me something doesn't mean I'm going to believe it. So I ask a lot of questions of, of people that I meet and situations I meet. But even when I read the Bible, I ask a lot of questions. I want to be able to understand what I'm reading and have it make sense to me so that I can explain it to other people that I come into contact with. So in this case, when I read something like this, where Paul says, for this reason, I wanna know what's the reason. All right? I'm not just going to read through it so I can get to the next verse. What's why what did Paul hear about the Colossians? Well, if you back up to verse 4 of Colossians chapter 1, you read this. We heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. That means that this church was famous. They were notable for their belief in Jesus Christ which overflowed into the way they served other people. And they did all that because of the hope and the security they had in the promises of God, that God had a purpose and a plan for their life, not just in heaven, but right here on earth. And so this church that Paul is writing to, they weren't just reading the word, y'all. They weren't just studying the word. They weren't just socially posting the word. Man, they were taking what they were learning and they were putting it to work. Right? Their faith in Jesus Christ overflowed into the love they had for other people, which was empowered by the hope that they had in the promises of God. And you know what happened? Look at verse 6. The word of truth was constantly bearing fruit and increasing in their life. And their life became more joyful, it became more purposeful, it became more meaningful, more fruitful, and the fruit just kept on multiplying. And other people were taking notice. Other people were looking at this church. I man, that's a different kind of church. It was just as Jesus instructed on the Sermon on the Mount where he said, let your light shine. Whose light? Your light. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they can see your good works and glorify their Father in heaven. I mean, y'all, this is what happens when we share, when we give, when we serve others, when we shine other people Begin to take notice, and God gets the glory. Now, when we serve ourselves, when we focus our gifts and our talents and our treasures inward rather than outward, we may get a little bit of something, something. We may get a little bit of glory. We may get a little reward from that, but it's an empty satisfaction, right? It's kind of like sending yourself flowers at work, you know? Anybody ever done that, by the way? Oh wait, right, don't admit it. All right. Send yourself, I mean, it looks really romantic to everybody else in the office, but you know the truth. You know, and, and you know the illusion stops as soon as you, as you leave work. But these Colossians believers, y'all, they were doing it right. Man, they, they, were, they were in the Word. They were studying the Word. They were applying the Word by serving and loving on other people. They were glorifying God. It sounds like the church at Colossae was rolling, right? So then why does this compel Paul if he knows this church is doing it right, why does this compel Paul and the boys to start praying for these believers? This is very interesting to me. Look at verse 9. We've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that, it's a great phrase, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Right, this is about to get really good. Hang with me. These church folk wanted to help people. They wanted to serve people. They wanted to give to other people. They wanted to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. But Paul knew Satan is really tricky. All right? And and, and especially if you're a new believer, if you you just come to know the Lord, it can be tricky because once you get saved and and the Holy Spirit fills you with the light of Christ and you have this strong desire within you to help people and to serve people and Well then the question becomes how do I do that? What does that look like? I mean some of us didn't grow up in church, right? And we have the foggiest idea of what a Christian is supposed to look like. What are Christians supposed to do? How are Christians supposed to act? What do I do with this fire that's inside of me? And so what we do, especially as new believers, we look around at what everybody else is doing. We see other people serving. We see other people doing. We see other people giving. And we figure, I'll just do that. And that's not a bad thing. Look, we do need to surround ourselves with like-minded believers. We we do need to have mentors in our life. We do need to, to be involved in life groups and be involved in serve groups. We've got to surround ourselves with... With fellow believers, we need to be in unity with other believers. But it's really important to understand that unity is not uniformity. All right, We, we each have a calling. Everybody in this room the, the Bible says the body, you to body, is fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. Everybody in this room has a joint. That didn't come out right. Everybody in this room, (laughs) well, maybe it's true. I don't know. I mean, downtown rolls differently. Well, that didn't come out right either. So everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has a mission. And so what Paul is doing here, he says, the manner in which you have been called to love and serve and give may be totally different than the manner in which I've been called to love and serve and give. And if you try to serve God my way instead of the, the manner in which God's called you to do, it's gonna frustrate you, man. Amen. And so what Paul is doing here for these Colossians Christians, the church is rolling, remember? He's praying that they would grow in the knowledge of God's will for their lives, not their own wills. Okay, not everybody is called to pine bluff, only the godly people. <laughs> right? Not everybody's called to do what I'm called to do. So so Paul is praying for them that they will grow in the knowledge of God's will for their lives. Now here's how Paul did that. All right? Apostle Paul wrote a lot of letters. He wrote a letter very similar to the church at Philippi that he wrote to the church at Colossae and this is what he explained in the book of Philippians that his daily routine this was Paul's daily routine in life he says this in verse 12 i press on every single day that i may lay hold of that for which i was laid hold of by Christ Jesus in other words Paul knew that Jesus took hold of him and wove him together in his mother's womb and gave him all the gifts and the talents and abilities that he possessed, just as he's done for each and every one of us. And he did all of those things in your life for that. That purpose, that plan, that mission, that calling. And Paul's constantly daily pursuit was to get closer and closer and closer to that. So did he ever make it? Take a look at the next verse, Philippians 3.13. He says, I don't regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. What? This is Paul. But one thing I do, I forget about what's behind me, and I keep reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the that, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Look at that. Guys, God has always got something better for you. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. There's another step. There's something deeper. There's something better. There's something richer in store for you as you continue to grow in him in pursuit of your that. So the question is, what's your that? What is it that God has laid hold of you for? What what is your that? I got no idea what your that is. That's between you and God. But I do know that your that is gonna be different than my that. And you will never be satisfied in your walk with the Lord until you discover you're that. Okay? Now, you might, in your, as you walk out your face, you might get close to it. Okay? You might, you might be able to do some really good things. You might be able to have some kind of impact, but it, it just won't scratch the itch. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, it won't fit just right. It'll feel like something's... It's like a generic version of the real thing. It's like Dr. Thunder instead of Dr. Pepper, right? It's like Hydrox instead of Oreos, you know? It's like Tutti Fruties instead of Fruit Loops. It's, it's just not quite right. And there's a whole bunch of folks in our churches today who are drinking Dr. Thunder, and they're wondering what all the fuss is about. By the way, this is the Dr. Pepper in his drinking state I've ever lived in. Man, we go through to Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you and I both know all of these people who've been drinking to Dr. Thunder over the years. If anybody ever grew up in church, you know these people. You know those people that, man, they be at church every Sunday. They go to both services. They go Sunday night. They go Wednesday night. Go, any activity at this church, they are there. And they are the most miserable, unhappy, hypocritical people you've ever met. Anybody else? Okay, you and me? We don't want to be a church like that. We don't want to be people like that. But have you ever wondered how those people got that way? Well, here's one reason. They're trying to walk worthy of the Lord without the knowledge of His will for their life. Now look back at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9. I promise we're going to get to verse 11. We have not ceased to pray for you, even though you're rocking and rolling, and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In other words, what Paul is saying is that this, the knowledge of His will, has got to come before that, which is your walk with the Lord. This always comes before that. You've got to be able to stand before you can walk. You got to measure that wood before you cut it. You have to rinse those dishes before you put them in a dishwasher. I don't understand that either, but that's what my wife says, right? That's why we got a dishwasher. You got to rinse them. If, if you get them reversed, if you put the that before the this, you're going to be living somebody else's version of the Christian life. And the result is going to be that you'll be exhausted. I, I, have, I have a friend of mine who's a, a pastor. And he wrote this really interesting book called Be Real because fake is exhausting. <laughs> Try, you know, you're trying to remember all of the rules of what a Christian supposed to be like, all of the rituals that a Christian supposed to do, how to walk and how to talk and where to step so that you don't make a mistake in your Christian life. And, and if, you, if your mindset is, it's just going to wear you out, man. Trying to live somebody else's version of the Christian life will exhaust you. It, you will also become disillusioned because you'll begin to wonder, where is all the love and the joy and the peace and the gentleness and the goodness and the kindness that the Bible talks about? Because I ain't feeling it. And I've been in church my whole life. You're going to become exhausted. You're going to become disillusioned. And finally, you're going to become self-righteous. You know why? Because you're going to begin to judge other people because they're not living and serving and acting the way you think they need to live and serve and act. And that would not be a very fun church to be a part of. Some of us have been involved in those kind of churches. Now, the Apostle Paul... The Apostle Paul could write this to the church, the Colossians Christians, because he knew exactly what he was talking about. Paul was a Pharisee. That's how he grew up, man. He grew up in this religious tradition, very self-righteous person, full of rules and regulations. And and, and the Christians around him, this new thing that was getting started around that time, these, these people were not doing it right. They were not worshiping God the way he thought they needed to worship God. So he judged them. He persecuted them. He locked them up. He tortured them. And eventually he put them to death. Paul was a terrorist. And then one day, on this road to Damascus, he's headed to Damascus to go torture some more Christians. He sees the light. Amazing grace. And he hears God say, Saul... Saul. That was his name before he got saved. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, I know that sounds dirty. But a goad refers to an ox goad. It was this... Long stick with a very sharp point on the end that farmers used to get their oxen to plow in a certain direction. So if the ox in front of their cart was obstinate and didn't want to obey, they would buck and they would kick against that sharp stick and they would injure themselves. And so what Paul is trying to say here, if, if God has a purpose and a plan for your individual life, if you submit to him and his will for your life, it's going to be marvelously productive and happy. But if you fight against the will of God, if you fight against the purpose of God, you're going to end up living a cheap imitation of the abundant life that God created you to live. And sometimes it might be painful. That is why Paul is praying for these Colossians Christians and us to make sure that we get our this before our that, the knowledge of his will before we try to live out our faith. And look at the benefits in Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 And 11, you'll be able to please him in all respects. Your life will continue to bear fruit. You will increase in the knowledge of God and ultimately his will for your life. You will receive God's power to accomplish what he's called you to do. You will become more patient and friendly. You will become more joyful and grateful. Now, how good is that? Is that not the life that you want to live? Is that not the life that we're killing ourselves to find? So how do we get it? How do we get our this before that? How do we get things back in the proper order? Again, you got to go back to the Apostle Paul. He writes another letter uh, to the church at Rome. All right. This is the book of Romans. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And we'll close with this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what he says. Therefore... All right, there we go again. Cynical reporter. What's therefore, therefore? Therefore what? Why did he put... Anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, back up a few verses and you figure out what therefore is therefore. So if you back up just a couple of verses to Romans chapter 11, this is what Paul says. He says, from him and through him and to him are all things. How many things? All All things. From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. Amen. How many things? Everything, as we say in Pine Bluff. God has all you need. God has all you want. God has all you desire. God is your all in all. He made you. He loves you. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. That is what therefore is there for. So then back to verse 1. Therefore, because from him and through him and to him are all things, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable to Him because that is how you worship God. If you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to get an idea of what your that is, the first thing you have to do every day of your life is remain humble before God. He is God. I'm not. That means I give my life to You, God. Not my will, but Your will, Lord. Your God. I'm not. That is a daily battle. That is a daily struggle. The Bible says God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And if I try to do what I think God's calling me to do, that's my pride exerting itself. I know better, God, what you have created me to do. And the Bible says God's actually actively working against you if you do that. But if you humble yourself, if you lower those walls, then the God in you can begin to work through you to impact the world around you. You follow me? You got to remain humble before God. Now, what will help you remain humble before God? Next verse. Do not be conformed to this world. What is going to help you walk out your new life in Christ is to refuse the invitation to your old life. And you're going to get a lot of invitations to that old life calling you back. Y'all, listen to me. God's way is just better. He delivered you from a life of hopelessness. Don't go back there. Don't return to that vomit. Make up your mind today to stop listening to all of the noise and the distraction of the culture because it's only going to lead to more division and more disappointment and more disillusionment. Instead, look at the next verse. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to reprogram the way that we think. We've got to change the way that we think. Your body is made up of three parts. you got a body, you got a spirit, you got a soul caught in the middle. Your your spirit was a dead spirit. It was destined for eternal separation from God when you're born. And you you know that that's true. We are all born into sin. You know that's true when you start having children. (laughs) Right? Because I don't have to teach. I never had to teach my children to disobey. I never had to teach my children to be rebellious. They were good at it. So before I accepted Christ with this dead spirit, my... Soul, which is the way you, your mind, your will, your emotions, it's the way you think, it's the way you feel, it's the decisions that you make. It was married to your flesh, which is dominated by the five senses. If it looks good, I'm going to watch it. If it smells good, I'm going to sniff it. If it tastes good, I'm going to eat it. That's where your mind and your will and your emotions were. But when you invited Jesus into your life, all of a sudden the Spirit of God, the Bible says, comes in to have communion with your spirit. The Spirit of God enters you. The Spirit of God that is inside you can only obey God. The flesh that this spirit is walking around in only wants to obey its flesh. And now your mind, your will, your emotions are caught in the middle. Which one am I going to obey? Which I've always thought this way. But the more I'm in his word, the more I pray, the more I surround myself with godly people, the more I begin to apply what the spirit is telling me to do, all of a sudden the way I think, the way I feel, the decisions that I make gravitate more and more and more gradually over here. Until the point, and until this point where your will becomes God's will. And that's when Jesus said, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Because now you're thinking the way I'm thinking. And I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing so great you can't hold. But it, that doesn't just happen because you invite Jesus in. It's this process of getting your this before that. you got to reprogram the way that you think. And the more you dig into the word, the more you talk to him in prayer, the more you surround yourself with godly fellowship, look at the result. Humble yourself. Don't conform. Transform your mind. Watch this. This is so good. So that you may prove what the will of God is for your life, that which is good, acceptable, and thank you. That is your that. Okay? And once you're filled with the knowledge of his will for your life, you can begin to rest in the result. You can begin to have this divine flow of rest you can begin to walk worthy of the lord living a life of joy and purpose and meaning while you're impacting the world in the good and acceptable and perfect way god intended you to walk when you begin to understand it's the god in you working through you to impact the world around you that's paul's prayer for this church that's pastor bronson's prayer for this church Get you this before you that. Because I want to tell you, if you want peace in your life, if you want purpose in your life, if you want some direction in your life, if we want to bring revival and hope and peace and justice and love to this city, we have got to have each and every joint in this room living out there that. We need a lot of that. We need what God has purposely given you to be a part of this body so it can continue to expand this kingdom. But it starts with this. It's got to start with this, the knowledge of his will. Amen? Amen. All right, Father, we want to lift you up right now. And I pray, Lord, that it would be our passion, our desire to be filled with the knowledge of your will for our life. Because I want to walk worthy of you, Lord. I want to become everything you created me to be. I want your will first and foremost in my heart and in my mind. And Lord, I know that that begins first with inviting you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And I know there may be some of us here who've been Christians for a long time. And we're going to commit... We're going to recommit ourselves to getting our this before that. But I know that there are also people in here that are trying to live out what they think a Christian is supposed to be without having Christ, the power of God within them. Because they've never invited you into their heart. And so if I'm speaking to you, If you know what I'm talking about, if you know that there's never been a time in your life when you've admitted that you've lived your life in rebellion to God, but you believe that Jesus died for you so that those sins could be forgiven, they could be separated as far as the east is from the west, but you've never invited him in to be the Lord of your life, I want to pray for you right now so that we can begin. We can begin to get our this before our that so that we can begin to live lives of purpose. So I'm talking to you. I want to I know who I'm praying for. So if I'm talking to anybody in this room who's never invited Jesus in, but you want to do it right now, let me see your hand. Just raise it up real high. One, two, three. Stick it up in the air. I see you in the back right there. See you over here on the right. Father, in Jesus' name, just pray this prayer with me. God, I thank you for loving me even when I was far away from you. Lord, I believe that you died on that cross for my sin, my rebellion, and you separated it as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Jesus. I invite you into my heart right now, and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be reignited in me, As I come alive in you, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, If you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at at NLCDowntownLittleRock to follow along with the life of our church.